Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everyone. I'm Christy, and I am joined with my colleague, Beck today. We are from The Sleep Teacher. We are back for a Q&A episode this week. You guys love these ones, so we just thought we'd keep them coming. We've got lots of transitions in this one, so transitioning from, like, arms out swaddles to rolling, all those developmental milestones. and that make mothers freak out. <laughs> they do. They set our hearts racing and the monitors don't leave our eyesight mm, yeah. when they're doing all these things, but it's all part of the journey. It is. It is. <laughs> As is mum guilt for me. Like I honestly this week have just been, oh, I don't know, I don't know about you, Beck, but at my kids' school every single day is just another thing and another expectation from the parents to be there and I know it's all for you know the kids and the fun but it's so hard and it's so much pressure and yesterday they had a um an open classroom and like they look they have these every term and I never miss anything at the kids school ever Mm. like I'm always there and I stretch myself to do it no matter what and Yesterday I had a meeting booked and I didn't realise it was an open classroom, so I had a kid crying. Minka was crying. She's like, Mom, I had something to show you. I have a PowerPoint to show you. And I was like, how can I do it all? It was just that mum guilt and I just felt like a crappy mum yesterday. But um, You are not a crappy mum. And just the way you're feeling proves that you're not. (laughs) I know, I know. And that's it is so hard though, like trying to wear all the hats and especially the more children you have as well, I think. Mm. And it can be it's so difficult. Like we're lucky that we, you know, do work from home and can sometimes I like hit you up and say, I've got this on, can we move things around? But you know, for majority of people who are at a job like it's so hard to go to school events and have someone there especially if they don't have like a grandparent around or something so yeah it can be yeah very tricky to navigate that I think I know it is and I think even when they're little like you just probably most of our listeners too they're probably going to bed at night sometimes thinking like have I done enough am I good enough and I just think it's just you are your own worst enemy sometimes like we really are and sometimes we just got to sit back and go you know what I know I'm a good mum I know I'm a good wife I'm doing the best I can like this is just a hard gig like it's a tough gig and it's hard to try to spread yourself and wear every single hat but like you said I think the fact that you worry about being a good mum is a good indication that you are and we're probably putting (laughs) a lot more pressure on ourselves because now we can see the happy snippets into everyone's life on social media of course we're not going to get on there and show the harder moments so We're constantly comparing as well and I think that's, you know, can be really damaging. Yeah. So I saw a post the other day actually and it was like a photo of like an old sort of just old 
80s style leather lounge with like, you know, in a lounge room, like in a modern day lounge room. And it sort of said like, you know, 10 years ago before you had Pinterest, you would have been happy with your lounge room looking like this. And then it was like, you know, now with all these things and all these aesthetically pleasing feeds, we just constantly have that need to want more or compare ourselves to others. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. It's pretty shit, but it's true. Mm. <laughs> it's so crappy that we, yeah. And sometimes, yeah, it is It is hard to sort of get yourself and go, you know what, people share the good stuff and this shouldn't make you any less happy and it shouldn't make you question what you're doing, I don't think so. Yeah, just find the happy moments and yeah. get through the harder ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but good news, you're going to be happy with this because obviously with our Midnight Mamas requests coming through, there was so many since you said Love Island and I was like, yeah, righto, I've heard about this. And I literally, I was like, you know what, I'm going to wind it way back because I follow Molly May on Instagram. I was like, I'm going to wind it back. I'm going to go and watch the Molly May and Tommy Fury series. So. <laughs> You'll be so happy that I've gone back and I've started all the way there. I thought you were going to tell me you were watching Sex in the City. <laughs> no, no. I've, I'd watched the one where, um, like I don't want to say in case someone's listening and haven't seen it, but I watched the, you know, when they came back. And just like and that. it was the incident. Yeah, just like I watched that. Oh, you ha- are you up to date? No, but I've never watched anything before oh, that. Mate. I just watched that. I'm never going to stop pestering you. And so you can everyone it. DM her and Bones just like Bones of the series. I know them. It's just outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into this Q&A because I've got to go get my kids and go and treat them to something. <laughs> A little bit of one-on-one time this afternoon so I go to bed feeling better about myself. Mm. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. And we're going to chat all things arms out, swaddle, rolling, where you should be waking your baby at the same time every day. So hang around. It's a good one. We are jumping in today for our Q&A episode. These have been really popular and just like our weekly Q&A boxes, we have had so many come through on the website. So we have gone through and chosen five that we thought you guys would like to hear and yeah, just sort of shake it up a little bit. So we're not always answering the same ones. The first one today that has come through is how to transition from a swaddle to arms out. My least (laughs) favourite transition. (laughs) Yes, there's a few transitions. And look, swaddling is something that works so well and bringing yourself to remove your little one from that confined environment can seem a little bit daunting, especially yeah, if they are sleeping well. But from a safety point of view, once they do start to roll, which sort of starts to happen around that sort of four-month mark or four to six months, it is important to get those arms out. So we do usually recommend trying like one arm out at a time if you can and, yeah, and seeing how they go there. You might try it just for that first stretch of night's sleep or you might try it just for the day nap and see how they go. And if that goes well, then you might try, instead of just doing the nap, you might try for the first stretch of night sleep as well. Then once they're going well with one arm out, you can then try the second arm. Keep in mind, there will be a teething period. That's always going to happen. But if they're in a complete arms down swaddle, it might be best to first then go to potentially something that's a little bit more still confined, still... um, Like you love to dream. Yeah, you might go to an arms up, love to dream, as opposed to a full muslin arms down swaddle or an ergo sleep suit. And if you still have one arm out of the love to dream, it's not as huge of an impact on your little one. But yeah, there is always going to be that little bit of a teething period. Just be mindful that, yeah, it will only take sort of, you know, a week or so to adjust, but trying to keep everything else consistent is really important when making any transitions. You don't want to swap too many things at once. Mm -hmm. 
There's always going to be more wakes, especially in the first part of the night. You've got to remember they're learning that they now have two little limbs that they're learning to control and they're like, what, like what's going on? So always just trying to settle as you always would. You don't want to start to create new sort of patterns if you haven't done it before, just because they are waking more frequently. Like Chrissy said, it's a transitional period where we just got to kind of see it through. And it's just something that needs to happen because they either start rolling or even if they're not rolling, we do see it can become quite a strong association for a bub post six months of age. That's what all. So and then it's really hard to get yeah. out of this. So <laughs> we kind of find the ideal time to make the transition, even if they're not rolling, is around that five month mark. It's good to just do it. And like Christy said, it's probably easier to try in the first part of the night at like the bedtime settle just because the sleep drive is higher or like nap one where it might just be a shorter sleep. Yeah, and we don't need to worry about resettling or extending mm, the nap. Yeah. But the other thing is too, around that sort of three to four month mark too, your little one can naturally start to become quite aware of their hands and they do like to find their hands and their fingers and pop them in their mouth and a lot of babies use that to self-soothe. So, you know, at the same time, as much as it can be a little bit of a tricky transition, some babies actually adapt really well and they start sleeping better because they've got their hands there. And look, going into like thumb sucking and finger sucking, that's a whole nother episode in itself, but it's not all bad. And look, once you're out of that swaddle, it's, yeah, it's mm. definitely a lot easier. And another tip is with the Bonds Wonder Suits, and like I think most of them do now, just in the initial transition, some bubs do like to have their hands covered and then after like a night or two unravel their hands because it is important yeah. that they can have their hands you know, if they've got a dummy or some of them like to like rub the cot sheet or do whatever they want. Or the zipper. Yeah. Like they, they, so yeah, it's like a texture thing. It can just be just if you are covering them, just make sure we uncover them. Especially in winter too, it's quite obviously quite cool. And if they're going from being confined inside, inside a swaddle, then, you know, completely out their hand, little hands can get a little bit chock cold. So it's, yeah, it's just a transitional phase. It doesn't take too long to adjust, but just, yeah, try to keep everything else consistent and just be mindful that they're just adapting. And I think just touching more as well, we do a secondary question on this is what happens when they roll if they're not swaddled anymore, obviously, do we have to flip them back? So we get this weekly, a lot in our support forum group as well. We follow red nose guidelines and we do basically if Bubs is going in on their back, they are unswaddled. Your cot is a safe sleeping environment, like fur mattress, fitted sheet, nothing in the cot, blankets, no all that sort of thing. Blankets. If Bub is rolling onto their side or their tummy and you know that they have that neck control and all that sort of thing, they are okay to settle on their tummy whilst learning what that rolling back looks like. Some parents get really anxious, obviously, because it's like drummed into us, like, you know, back to sleep. But yeah, I think it's important to know if your little one is getting into that position from their back and all the other things are checked off and yeah, especially that they're unswaddled they're okay. You can sort of settle them. And what we find is like try and do some settling on their tummy so they can feel that comfortable feeling like they do on their back. It's just that it's new. That's why they get a little bit upset and they do a bit of a plank. Like 
<laughs> yeah, they get a little bit frightened. But once you've mastered that rolling from back to front and front to back, they're generally able to obviously lift their head and have mm. their airways all free from any obstructions. So again, it's all like that developmental <laughs> milestones being reached. And yeah, it's all fun and games when it comes to naps. Yeah. So it can just take a couple of nights as well to get them used to the tummy. And then I used to love when my boys started sleeping on their tummy, like when they got into that position, because I find a lot of bubs are more comfortable there, you know, once they're that bit older. And they can't, not that usually by the time that they can sleep on their tummy, their mororeflex isn't too strong by then. It's usually completely gone. But they can't flail. Their arms can't flail when they're on their tummy, whereas on their back they can, and that sort of startles them a little bit more. Mm. And Yeah, and that's another thing back to the swaddling. Like usually at the age when we're starting to make that transition to an arms out swaddle around like if it's after four months of age, usually that startle reflex or moral reflex has completely weaned off and it's more just that association that we're backing Mm. off. The next one was should I wake my baby at the same time each day to start their day? And that is something we do recommend. Like, and I know every parent wants that extra minute of sleep in the morning or like, you know, just quiet time. But if you are trying to establish somewhat of a consistent routine, and especially if you're trying to work on any settling and establishing a routine and whatnot, it's super important to try to start your day around the same time. That doesn't need to be 7 a.m. on the dot every day, but sort of within that buffer, that sort of 30-minute window each day I would recommend just to ensure that you know as well you're going into your day knowing when you can put your little one down when they're going to be due for their naps and it just means therefore your day is fairly consistent your night's a bit more consistent so it really does just help to take a little bit of guesswork out of it and it can be one of the easiest things to do to start to implement a bit of a more of a flow to your rhythm to your day Bubs start to get used to sleeping at around the same time in the morning and over lunch. We tend to see bubs run off about a 12-hour day. So if that wake-up time is constantly sometimes 6, sometimes 8, 8.30, you know, your bedtime's always then going to be off and your bedtime settles might be not sort of having a bit of a flow and resisting and all that sort of thing. So it can be just a really simple thing to, like Christy said, wake them sort of, I feel like by 7.30 is a good starting point. Yeah, because otherwise you start to get into that sort of, well, I haven't woke until like 7.30, they meet, therefore maybe they don't go to bed till close at 8 p.m. And it's just a hard cycle because then if they're going to bed at 8, well, the next morning, if they do happen to wake at 6, you're like, well, they haven't had a lot mm. of sleep, but my chances of resettling now are getting really hard because naturally their sleep hormones have started to wear off to start the day. So it's just, yeah, you do start to find that that resettle gets a little harder and pushes your day back. And there are families, you know, that like, they might like a nine till nine routine for whatever reason, if that suits your, that's obviously different. might be like shift workers and things like that. So it's basically trying whatever works for you, trying to have that same sort of wake up time, depending on what time that falls in the morning. Absolutely. And that's what I was just sort of touching on too. Like it can be tricky to establish something like a nine to nine routine because Obviously, like if a baby wakes at seven and you want them to sleep through till 9am, it can be really tricky because obviously external factors that help to set our body clocks like light and noise and things like that. So trying to settle a baby at 5am when they're working at seven, it's a little bit easier naturally at five than it is going to be trying to settle them at seven if you want to get them through to nine. So it can be done, but it is a lot harder. I was stuck in that nine till nine with my third. He was more of a newborn. What? 
No, he was more of a newborn. You've worked with me since you had your third. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Never told me this. When he was a baby, this was like a little expose. This is funny, (laughs) you know, because he. I I remember telling you he would not go down at seven. Like I was pulling my hair out, and then I just sort of was like, "Okay, we're doing nine. And then obviously he wanted to sleep till nine in the morning, and I was like, "This is not ideal," but whatever. Anyway, don't worry, we're on a seven o'clock bedtime now, guys. He's two. (laughs) He is. The next one was 22-month-old, so similar to Brooklyn, refusing his nap or their nap, but they're still sleeping 11 and a half hours overnight. So good amount of night sleep. But I wonder, because even if we had a 22-month-old that was still having a day nap, we'd probably still aim for around that 11 hours overnight anyway. I wonder, though, if in this instance your little one would still have a nap in, say, the car or like the pram, an assisted nap. Would they do that or are they just fighting it at home because there's a bit of stimulation or are they at daycare? That would be my first thing to look at because I think obviously it's working, they're still sleeping soundly overnight, but even if they could have 30 minutes in the day assisted, I think that that would be a good indication that potentially they still need it and they're just fighting it. They're getting a little bit of FOMO at the lunch nap and it's too much going on. Yeah, I think... What are your thoughts? With this age group, it's such a variance. You know, there is no sort of nap time that we can give you because each toddler is going to have different sleep needs. 22 months is obviously quite early to drop the day nap. As you said, though, that the night sleep's still going pretty well, which is great. What we'd want to make sure is long term, you don't start to see early morning wakings, split nights, that sort of thing. That's probably an indication that you probably went a bit too early. And like Christy said, we'd want to try and reintroduce it with the car. And also like, is your little one okay up until bedtime or come four or five o'clock, they are in a complete meltdown, refusing dinner, everything's a struggle. That's probably another indication that you know, we we probably yeah. went too early. Yeah, because it's really going to depend on how long this has been going on for as well. Mm. Like if it's only, you know, happening the last week, it could just be a little bit of a phase. But Most toddlers will um, go all right with skipping, you know, a day nap here or there and we just bring bedtime forward. But it's that ongoing that you can start to see night issues and that sleep debt builds mm. up and it can all come under. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 22-month-old could be having 30 minutes or they could be having two and a half hours and still sleep the same. It just really depends on your child's day sleep needs versus their night sleep. Yeah. An 11-month-old completely self-settles of a day but is still waking three to four hourly for a feed overnight. Do you think this is habit? Mm. Habit or hunger? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, look. Personally, I would say more than likely it is them at the end of their sleep cycles overnight and all babies will have a partial wake and some just have the ability to resettle. Some haven't learnt that yet. And what happens in that partial wake is usually they'll wake and we assume that they're hungry and we'll feed them and it's just something that can sort of continue for a long period. So I would more than likely say that it's probably habitual in the sense that they're waking at the end of those deep phases of sleep and looking for that feed to resettle. But 
I'm not saying that they're not hungry because they've probably relied on these feeds for some time, but you could definitely wean off them. It would just be a matter of going slowly. So you would remove one first, work on that first resettle, and then the second one and remove that because they've probably regulated their calories across to the night time. Yeah. If you're confident that they're getting good meals and sort of three milk feeds in the daytime, We do see a lot of babies who can self-settle beautifully. Their issue is more the resettle. So you can have babies that self-settle and then still have resettling issues where those associations and those patterns come into play where we jump up, we're a bit disorientated in the middle of the night, we just go in and feed and they go back to sleep for that big stretch and then they wake up again. That's a common scenario that we see and it is, just like Christy said, trying to move away from the feed at the first wake and then that often has a flow-on effect to the rest of the night as well. Yeah, and so if your little one can self-settle the day, then they can definitely do it overnight. It's just a matter of making sure they may be potentially your awake windows. This might be a little bit off at bedtime and therefore they're struggling to self-settle there or they're potentially falling asleep on the feed and then therefore looking for that again overnight. So just have that confidence. You know they can do it. We just need to look at why they're not doing it there. Last one, what age? <laughs> this is, oh, I feel like these are always so controversial because – No matter which way we word it, we're probably going to get a bit of hate mail and it's okay. What age do we try to self-settle and not cuddle our little ones to sleep? Oh, here we go. Okay. Newborn, Christy. (laughs) I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Day one. No. Again, when the time is right for you and that rocking and cuddling to sleep has not become sustainable or potentially going back to work or you just want to lay those foundations for good sleep for both of you. That's when is the right time to look at introducing some self-settling and backing off that rocking to sleep. In like my experience, I definitely do find that sort of between that four to six month mark before, you know, sleep associations have become quite familiar and more entrenched, I guess, with our little ones and our little ones aren't, I guess, they don't have a great deal of like stamina to fight naps and things like that. Self-settling becomes a little bit easier to achieve in that first sort of period, but it's totally doable and it's still completely manageable no matter how long you wait. But I guess I just feel that the longer you do something, that's just going to become all your child knows. Well, I think as well, what parents struggle with as their baby gets older, they start to stand up in the cot, they're moving around, they can speak. You know, it, it really does become a lot harder on the parent to hold boundaries when we're being confronted with such heightened emotion. Yeah. So I think that's what I mean by a stomach. Yeah. And that's like they've just got. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of fuel in the tank. (laughs) That's a lot of, I think, where parents struggle as they get that little bit older, you know, especially in toddlerhood and all that sort of thing. So like Chrissy said, it's definitely still manageable and you always can place new boundaries and patterns and whatever. But yeah, definitely if you can start around that six month mark, four to six months, it can be a little bit smoother, I guess, with the settles. And yeah, that age too, a lot of parents are often like they've just gone through that four month regression. So they're looking for a little bit of change and they've probably found that sleep's gone a little bit haywire anyway. So introducing some changes there sort of is quite welcomed. Mm. And again, like, you don't need to change anything. Like just because they do hit a certain age, 
it's, you know, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> There's no problem with offering those cuddles to sleep no. and that rocking to sleep. There's no set age where you need to teach your little one to self-settle. Absolutely not. It is just purely what's going to work for your family and, yeah, family dynamic and they're all so different. So. And I guess, like, if you can just go in and give them a quick little rock and they go back in their cot within five minutes, like, happy days. It's yeah. working. It's That's when working. the yeah. they might rock beautifully to sleep at bedtime and then come midnight, they're totally pushing off you and, you know, for hours and you're just battling. That's probably where we would see the need for, you know, yeah. that's probably not working. So And well. you'll know because it'll be like what was previously working no longer is. And yeah, and that's when it, we would say, yep, cool, we're here. Mm. What do you need? What do you want to achieve? (laughs) Well, I think that's all of our questions today. We've kept it short and sweet, so hopefully you've got this one in on your nice little short morning walk. (laughs) And Bub's napped for you. We are going to head off now, but thank you for joining us again for another Q&A. Keep sending them in, guys. Please send them in. We'll pop the link in the show notes for you. And don't forget, you can also send them through as a voice note as well so we can play your question live. Okay, guys, nighty-night. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.